You want it. You need it. It's what everyone's talking about. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Now, here's Kevin. With the second pick in the 2020 NFL Draft, the Washington Redskins select Chase Young, defensive end, Ohio State. Congratulations, Chase. The Redskins are a better team today than they were prior to last night's draft. They got better. They drafted the best player in the draft, arguably, last night. They drafted, perhaps, in the history of the franchise on draft night, the greatest potential player for their franchise that they have ever drafted. Chase Young was the guy. Chase Young was the guy that many of us wanted going back to midseason when it became apparent that the Redskins were a dreadful football team and were in contention for one of those top two picks. Uh, Chase Young is a Redskin. He's an elite pass rushing talent. He is, yes, a generational pass rushing talent. He should be, you know, and you never know with this draft, but he should be one of those five, six defensive players that really keep offensive coordinators up at night. A game wrecker. He's a freak athletically. He's versatile. He can line up almost anywhere along the defensive front. His presence should elevate the performance of the players around him. The Redskins defensively got better last night, especially when you put it in combination with the coaching staff, the defensive coaching staff that they've added. Um, He will make everybody else on defense better, and because of that, he will make the team better. Uh, And I am personally um, excited about watching Chase Young on one end and Montez Sweat on the other and Deron Payne and Jonathan Allen and Matt Ioannidis and who knows, Ryan Kerrigan, you know, and Tim Settle could be a part of of their depth. Their front four right now, their front four is top 10 minimum in the NFL on paper. They could potentially have one of the more dominant defensive fronts, especially with a solid first-rate defensive coaching staff of any team in the league. I'm excited about that portion of the team. Chase Young it was, it was an interesting night. I thought a very well executed, you know, night last night. It was a combination broadcast between ESPN and the NFL Network. And the way I sort of followed it was I was watching it on ESPN, but I would flip it over to ABC where Reese Davis was doing his own sort of ESPN ABC thing um, while Trey Wingo uh, hosted the combined NFL Network uh, ESPN broadcast. I thought it was well done. It seemed a bit odd at the beginning without you know the big crowds of recent years doing it in downtown areas of cities or even back in the old days when you would just see a lot of activity and a lot of noise at the Marriott Marquis or at some hotel in downtown Manhattan. Um, it was quiet. It was uh, and it took a while to get used to that. But, but I really loved the shots of the coaches and the general managers and the players in their homes. Um, and I, I thought it went off very well. The broadcast at the beginning, um, the thing that struck me, two things. Number one, the shot of the empty Vegas Strip. Um, I think I've seen some of those shots over the last five, six, seven weeks of Vegas. But to see Las Vegas, truly the city, that never sleeps, truly the one city in America more than any other 
that is 24 hours a day, seven days a week without any downtime. There is always a buzz. 4 a.m., 5 a.m. on a Sunday morning. Doesn't matter. To see that strip completely empty the way it was last night um, was really uh, was really remarkable. It was an eerie sight, you know. It was like, you know, that, that old saying about Vegas, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Well, what's happening in Vegas right now is nothing. Um, there is nothing going on. And I did watch the mayor of Las Vegas' interview with, um, with, uh, with CNN, and it was, um, I don't know, rather uh, sort of all over the place and almost indecipherable. Um, but... Uh, it was, um, it was a shot, you know, that that's where the draft was supposed to be last night. Todd McShay. How about that? He's got the coronavirus and he was not a part of ESPN's broadcast. I hope it works out for him. Roger Goodell from his basement. I think he wore a c- couple of things like he's, he, he changed outfits and, and slipped into a Mr. Rogers, you know, cardigan sweater there at one point, or maybe it wasn't a cardigan, but it was a sweater. Um, maybe he had slippers on for all we know. You know, I thought some of it was easy. He's not, you know, he's not a, a, a great sort of dynamic host of anything. Um, there was the self-deprecation that Tommy hoped for with the booze. Um, you know, he talked about how he was going to miss hugging the players when they came up on stage. I've always thought that that seemed to be a bit contrived um, and uncomfortable because he doesn't know most of those those players that well. Um, but, you know, for the most part, y- you had a beginning to the broadcast last night that tried to use this NFL draft as a country unifier. The NFL and sports are unifiers in our society. The NFL may be more than anything. And last night having a live event, the NFL draft, and I've not seen the numbers yet. I'm sure the ratings were astronomical. Um, But to spend 15, 16 minutes or whatever it was before they actually put Cincinnati on the clock, with you know some of the things that they did, and certainly the recognition of our healthcare workers um, and our emergency, you know, people, um, I think was totally appropriate, and I thought it was well done uh, by the NFL. But by the time the draft actually got started, I saw somebody tweet out, "Is this a telethon or is this the NFL draft?" Well, again, I think the NFL you know, did it right last night, sort of recognizing that there would be a lot of new viewers to the NFL draft, understanding the position they had last night to sort of, you know, provide this incredible diversion and at the same time to recognize um, all of the incredibly courageous people that are out there doing incredible work uh, during, you know, an unprecedented situation. I enjoyed the broadcast last night. It went off without a hitch. You know, we got shots of the coaches and houses. How about, you know, Cliff Kingsbury's house? Um, what a spread he has. It looked like Jared, Jared Jones was on a on a yacht last night. Um, it was, uh, you, 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 you saw... Um, you saw Vikings head coach Mike Zimmer in his family room and, you know, turned on the fireplace and he had a bunch of animals, you know, uh, hanging off the the mantle of the fireplace, a, a big old buck right over the fireplace. Uh, Minnesota actually did pretty well in this draft, I thought. Um, but uh, I, I enjoyed the broadcast last night. I'll enjoy it again tonight. I mean, we had all of the talking heads, all the expertise from the Mel Kuypers of the world, which I enjoyed. Um, but it was uh, it was an exciting night. You know, I thought it moved pretty quickly, too, um, for the most part. Um, 
the 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 draft itself, and I'll I'll steer it back to the Redskins here momentarily. I think the first surprise of the first round was was Andrew Thomas being drafted by the Giants. You know, there was definitely discussion that the Giants were going to go offensive lineman. Most people thought it would be Wills Jr. or Werfs uh, out of Iowa. They went Andrew Thomas out of Georgia. Thomas was perceived to be the the, uh, the the lineman that was most ready to go and play right away and more of the natural left tackle. Um, the quarterbacks went 5-6. Uh, Miami uh, did take Tua. Um, there were all those reports, and we talked about them yesterday, about their efforts to get up to number one to get Joe Burrow. Um, but they're the ones that go with Tua Tungavailoa. Justin Herbert went to the Chargers. I'm not a big fan of that pick. Um, Derek Brown uh, to Carolina. I just personally think that Derek Brown's going to end up being one of the best players when we look back on the 2020 draft. Um, just loved watching him play for Auburn. Big number five was just a relentless, strong, quick, athletic playmaker up front. And I just don't see how what I saw in college doesn't translate uh, significantly to the pro level. I think Derek Brown's going to be one of the real players uh, out of this draft. Then came some intrigue. <clears throat> the Isaiah Sim- Simmons went to, to Arizona at eight overall. You know, a lot of people loved Isaiah Simmons in this draft. I mean, Clinton Portis told us on the radio show he would take uh, Simmons second, wouldn't have taken Young had he been the Redskins GM. Uh, Charlie Casserly told me last week or earlier this week that Simmons was a guy that it was going to be difficult to figure out where he plays. Um, But he went to Arizona. C.J. Henderson, the corner that many people thought was the closest thing to Jeff Okuda, who the Lions took at three. Um, He went to uh, Jacksonville at nine and then started the run on offensive linemen after the Giants had taken Andrew uh, Thomas at four. And with it, um, all of the teams that were potential trade partners with the Redskins for Trent Williams, they started addressing the tackle need via the draft. First, it was Jedrick Wills Jr. from Alabama going to Cleveland. Josina Anderson quickly uh, tweeted out that the Browns are no longer in the Trent Williams trade uh, market. Then Makai Becton, the big offensive tackle from Louisville, goes to the Jets, another team that was a potential trade partner for Trent Williams. Then Tristan Wirfs to the t- to uh, Tampa Bay, um, another team that potentially, had they restructured some deals or maybe cut a player or two, could have made a Trent Williams deal work. And then Miami, Austin Jackson, goes to them at 18. So you had Miami, Tampa, the Jets, and the Browns, all potential trade partners for Trent Williams address tackle in the draft. It was pretty incredible to see one after another <clears throat> sort of come off the board and go to these teams. And, you know, to me, it's real simple when it comes to this portion of the draft and how it relates to the Redskins. Uh, with fewer teams interested in Trent Williams because they were able to address this situation via the draft. It means that there's less demand, and that means the price is going to drop more likely than not. It's simple economics. Less demand, um, you can't uh, you can't get the same price. Uh, the price drops. You know, this goes back to what we've talked about for a while, um, and I hope it's changed with the new group of people that are running the organization now. But this organization's been so poorly run for so long. And when it comes to Trent Williams, it's another example of a team that 
erred on the side of stubborn and petty and stupid. You know, Trent's destinations were bound to dwindle if you had any vision and saw what was in the 2020 draft. For many, many months now, all of the draft people have told you this is a big-time offensive tackle draft, especially in the first round. There's depth in this draft, but some real talent in this draft. The closer the Redskins got to the draft without making a deal, um, the less likely it became because teams were then willing to you know, see if they could answer that question, um, answer that uh, you know, roster need with a draft choice. You're left with teams like Minnesota, who I think could be interested. Denver could potentially be interested. Um, Seattle, you know, maybe somebody we're not thinking of. But clearly, the leading contenders, Cleveland, uh, Miami, maybe you thought the Jets or Tampa, they are no longer uh, more likely than not in the Trent Williams market, so you have less demand. Um, it's frustrating because I think this is something that we've been talking about for a while, and most of you have agreed. Um, they needed to strike um, while the iron was hot, while he still had two years left on the deal, before <clears throat> he hadn't played for an entire season. Uh, and sat out for entire an entire season, and before you got in to an off season that was leading up to a draft that was loaded with tackles, we'll see what happens. I think the chances now have increased again that Trent Williams will be a part of the Redskins. Um, but when I say the chances have increased, I would still put the chances at no better than 25%, somewhere in that neighborhood. I put out a poll this morning on Twitter, on my Twitter account, at Kevin Sheehan DC, um, just about an hour ago, actually, um, before I started to record the podcast. Simple question, if the Redskins are unable to get what they want for Trent Williams in a trade, would you accept him back? Would you want him back? You know, I've got 2,000 votes already on this poll, and 62.3% of you say yes. 37.7% of the people that have responded have said no. I think that's interesting because I think many people believe what I believe, which is, number one, don't trade him unless you get what you want and what he is worth. All right, now, you can say, well, the market dictates what he's worth. That's true to a point. But we understand what kind of player he is. He's not a fourth-round player. You know, the money that was reported that he was looking for should have made very clear to him and his agent that the Redskins aren't going to take a fourth-rounder or a third and a, you know, or a third and a fifth. You know, that's not going to happen. It shouldn't happen. Maybe it ultimately will if they just decide they want to move on from it. Maybe they were hopeful that this weekend something would pan out and they would be able to get what they were asking. My position remains the same. If you don't get at least a second-round pick, I would go to him, as Cooley has suggested, and say, Trent, let's let bygones be bygones. Bruce Allen's gone. Larry Hess is gone. Ron, Ron, uh, Kyle and I are running this ship. We're good people. Um, we've got a good coaching staff. You're going to love my offensive line coach. You should be playing. The only way you get a contract next year is to play this year. We will give you one, 
you know, uh, one, one incentive to do so, and that is we will commit to not franchise tagging you next year. But let's play. We need. We have a need. You have a need to play. You don't want to lose the money. We don't want to pay out some of it without you being a part of the team. Um, and who knows? Maybe at the end of this year, you'll find that you like us and we really like you. And we might work something out with you anyway down the road. Um, I would do that. Uh, I would do that if I don't get the right offer back. Um, I would definitely accept him back. It would not be a problem. I just don't buy into the whole disruption thing. I do buy into the culture change and perhaps Ron Rivera saying, ultimately, I don't want somebody who doesn't want to be here no matter how talented he is. And the circumstances that we're in, they're not my fault. This was the previous regime that that really messed it up. Uh, but I need to move on. I want to get my guys in here. He may come to that conclusion, and they may end up dealing him for a fourth or a, you know, a fourth and a conditional something next year. Um, but I would not uh, trade Trent unless I got at least a second rounder. So back to the draft um, and the first round last night. A couple of interesting uh, things in addition to the offensive lineman run and what that did and how it impacted the Redskins. The wide receiver run started with a receiver that really wasn't mock-drafted to be the first taken. Charlie Casserly thought that there was a big difference between Jerry Judy and C.D. Lamb and the next rung down. Um, uh, there was somebody else who was on my radio show in the last week. It may have been Tony Pauline from Pro Football Weekly um, who essentially agreed with that as well. Well, Henry Ruggs um, was the first wide receiver taken at number 12 overall. Went to the Raiders. Such a Raiders pick, right? Ruggs a 4-2-7-40 guy. It's as if Al Davis from his grave made the pick. He loves deep speed, and Ruggs really is a dynamic, explosive playmaking wide receiver. If I were a Raider fan, would I have preferred Lamb or Judy? Maybe. I may have preferred Jefferson even more, but I Ruggs has a chance to be really, really good. Um, the next wide receiver was Judy, who went to Denver. You know, Denver now going with Drew Locke, and they've added a, a key piece, um, and that sort of fell into their lap. I don't know that Denver was expecting Jerry Judy. In the same way that Dallas at 17, CeeDee Lamb fell into their lap. You know, there had been talk about a defensive end, a pass rusher, you know, a corner, a, c- a couple of other things, but CeeDee Lamb was there, and now the Cowboys have Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb. Uh, and then you got uh, what Ben Standing predicted in his final mock draft on the radio show yesterday. He said Philadelphia loves Jalen Ragor, the receiver from TCU. He Ragor wasn't a lock, you know, first-round guy, wasn't mocked by everybody as a first-round guy. I love Rager. Got to watch him a lot as I watched TCU football over the last couple of years. Phenomenal punt returner. Um, and the Eagles loved him too, and they took him before Jefferson. Justin Jefferson was on the board, an incredible contributor at, at LSU, and that left it uh, for Minnesota to basically take the pick they got from Buffalo in the Diggs trade. They took Justin Jefferson. The interesting, interesting thing about Jefferson and Minnesota is both Jefferson and Thielen are more slot guys, so it'll be interesting to see what Gary Kubiak does offensively uh, in Minnesota. 
Um, and then the last receiver was San Francisco uh, trading back into the first round um, and drafting Brandon Ayuk, who was probably the guy with the longest arms and the biggest catch radius out of Arizona State. Uh, go check out the game he had against Oregon when they upset uh, Oregon uh, this year. Um, the biggest surprise by far of the first round was Jordan uh, was uh, Jordan Love being drafted by Green Bay after Green Bay traded up four spots from 30 to 26 to take him. Um, he's the heir apparent. They went for the heir apparent to Aaron Rodgers now. Brett Favre was 35 when the Packers drafted Aaron Rodgers. Rodgers is 36, and they've drafted Jordan Love. A lot of Packer fans, I'm sure, wanted some – you know, some playmaking abilities, a, a receiver, a tight end, something for Aaron Rodgers to work with. He's been missing weapons here in recent years, but they drafted the quarterback of the future. I think Aaron Rodgers has three, four years left. You know, you get Jordan Love on a four-year deal with a fifth-year option as a first-round pick. Maybe that's why they took him in the first round, because that get, that gives them the option of five years, not four um, it'll be interesting up there. They they needed weapons for Aaron Rodgers to make a run, and they drafted a player that probably won't play for a few years. But they got it right the first time when they drafted Rodgers, you know, to replace eventually Favre. Um, Love is one of those guys. He had a great junior year, not as good of a senior year, but he becomes and became last night the fourth quarterback um, in the first round. There were a couple of guys picked that nobody saw coming in certain spots. You know, um, Patrick Queen fell a little bit. Jefferson fell a little bit. Damon Arnett, the corner that was picked by the Raiders with their second pick, which was a bit of a surprise, him going that high. But, you know, if you watch the tape on Arnett, he is a battler. He is a competitor, um, even if he isn't the most talented of the corners in this draft. Jordan Brooks, the outside linebacker, probably went a little bit higher to Seattle than most thought. Um, uh, and then Noah Iganogane, Iganogane um, uh, is the way you would pronounce it, I believe. Um, didn't work on that one clearly, but the corner from Auburn that went to Miami when Miami traded back with Green Bay and they took him at thirty, that was a bit of a surprise. Uh, and then the end of the first round, um, the Chiefs took Clyde Edwards-Hilaire out of LSU. I've talked a lot about the running backs the last two days going into this draft. Uh, it's a position that I love to try to guess on. Um, and I said that I didn't think DeAndre Swift, who was really the back that more than any other was projected to be a first-round guy or the first running back taken, um, I liked J.K. Dobbins and I like Edwards Hilaire more. Those were the two out of the top four, including Jonathan Taylor, that I liked more than Swift and Taylor. I liked Dobbins and Edwards Hilaire. I think the Chiefs got a gem at the end of the first round, and he totally fits with what they're going to do. There are going to be a ton of running backs taken in the second round. I'll be interested to see... If it's Swift or Dobbins or Taylor that goes next, I think Dobbins should be the next guy to go, um, and uh, and we'll see what happens um, there. Um, but you know, a first round that I thought moved pretty quickly. You know, there were some trades. There were a bunch of trades, not early. The first one, you know, taking place. Uh, you know, when the Buccaneers switch uh, switch spots with. Um, the 49ers, that was the first trade that went down that allowed the Buccaneers to jump 
to a spot where they could get the offensive linemen to protect Brady. And then we saw a bunch of trades after that. The Dolphins, um, you know, uh, moving back with the Packers uh, and, you know, a few more there at the end of the first round. The, uh, the Patriots uh, trading out of their spot with the 49ers. Um, etc. Minnesota made a trade. They had 22 where they took Jefferson. They had 25. Um, they made a trade with the 49ers, moved back, and they got the corner from TCU, Jeff uh, Gladney. Now, as far as the Redskins uh, go, a um, couple of things. Uh, we've talked about the Trent Williams stuff and what the draft did um, to the tra- uh, Trent Williams trade market. I would still bet that he gets traded. And I would lean towards like the Vikings or maybe a surprise team like Denver. You know, maybe not so much of a surprise that that Garrett Bowles, the first rounder that they took in 2017, has been a disaster and they have the cap space, um, even though they did sign Juwan Jameson, uh, you know, last year to, to play the other side. And just a little more on the selection of Chase Young that came from Les Carpenter in the Washington Post that I thought was interesting. Um, Carpenter wrote that the Redskins pretty much settled on Young and that they turned down at least two significant offers in the past week from teams looking to trade up to number two overall. Uh, He had sources that told him that one of the teams that wanted to trade up offered draft picks as well as a top player who wanted to be traded from that particular team. Um, the other team was reported, uh, you know, by Fox sports to have been Atlanta who wanted to trade up from 16 to number two. I think the first team that he describes more likely than not is Jacksonville. They had two first round picks and they had a player in Yannick and in Gakwe, um, who wanted to be traded. So I think when he describes one of those teams was offering picks and a top player, I think that was Jacksonville. I don't know that, but it's just deductive reasoning. Um, He also wrote, uh, Les Carpenter did in the post, that the Redskins um, coveted Young, but also coveted Jeff Okuda, the corner that went to Detroit, went to the uh, Lions at number three, and that the Skins may have been more open to a trade if it could have been assured that it would have landed Okuda after moving back. Now, the Lions drafted Okuda with the next pick, so the Redskins weren't going to be in position to trade back unless it was with Detroit and still get Okuda. Um, Overall, and Rivera addressed this um, in his uh, conference call, his Zoom call last night with Kyle Smith after uh, after the uh, after the first round of the draft, that it really wasn't close. That there wasn't really a package that enticed them to move off of of uh, off of Chase Young. I'm thrilled about Chase Young. I'm glad they didn't trade back. I think they've got a great defensive front. I think there's going to be a couple of interesting things about that defensive front to keep in mind. You know, with Payne, Allen, and Ioannidis, and by the way, Allen and Ioannidis in particular being versatile, either one of them can can move outside in a 4-3. You've got Sweat on one end, Chase Young on another. You've also got, let's not forget, Ryan Kerrigan still currently in the mix. You know, so how this gets handled, most teams play with a rotation. You don't just play four guys. You know, you need five, sometimes six during the course of a season. And they do have a guy like Settle, even a guy like Caleb Brantley who can play. But 
I was asked a question earlier this morning on on uh, on the radio show. Do I think the Redskins are going to make a trade? Are they going to unload any of their defensive linemen because they seem to have too many? My answer to that is no. I don't think they will. I think Sweat, Payne, Allen, Ioannidis, and Chase Young are going to fit into basically a five-man rotation with four spots. I think Kerrigan fits in there somewhere. I'm not sure where yet, but you know, Kerrigan would probably be a sixth guy as part of uh, of the rotation. I would think on third down passing situations, it's Young and Sweat on the ends, and a guy like Allen and Ioannidis in the in the interior. If they did trade somebody, and I don't want them to do this, I think it would be Deron Payne. Um, I think they love Allen. He's perfect for the culture. Ioannidis, the same. Payne's upside for me is as high as anybody's other than Chase Young's. He is freakish athletically. I think Payne's got a chance to be a dominant, dominant interior lineman. With that said... You know, I, I sense that maybe a guy like Allen and Ioannidis might be more Rivera kinds of guys. But I don't think they're going to trade anybody. I think they're going to figure this thing out, and you'll end up with, you know, certainly six guys, including Kerrigan, I would think. I'm not positive about that um, for those four spots. I'm excited about. Uh, about Ryan Anderson, too, you know, behind that defensive front. I thought he was the most improved player on the team last year. And we'll see about Thomas Davis and Cole Holcomb and John Bostic and Reuben Foster and Sean Dion Hamilton. The Redskins have a good front four, excellent front four. Their front seven, not bad. They've added Sean Davis and Kendall Fuller to go with Landon Collins. We understand the secondary, you know, perhaps lack of depth, if not lack of starters. But the Redskins got better by drafting Chase Young. You know, that in combination, obviously, with the new coaching staff. I'm excited about them defensively. The biggest surprise about the 2020 season, if it gets played, and if it gets played, you know, in a full season, would be if this team isn't significantly, significantly improved defensively. All right, Ben Standy coming up next from The Athletic. We'll talk to Ben. Um, but real quickly on stamps.com during this pandemic, you need to avoid crowds. You need to avoid going to the post office. Stamps.com is not just for small businesses. It's for individuals as well. If you need postage, you know, for letters, for packages, stamps.com is here to help. Anything you can do at the post office, you can do at stamps.com. You can print postage on demand, skip those lines and crowds at a post office and save big time with discounts you can't even get at the post office. Stamps.com brings all of the services of the U.S. Postal Service right to your computer in the safety and comfort of your own home, office, or anywhere else you are hunkering down right now. If you're a small business sending invoices and online sellers shipping out products, or you're just working from home and need to mail stuff, Stamps.com handles it with ease. Simply use your computer. You print official U.S. postage for any letter, any package, any class of mail, anytime you want to do it. Once your mail is ready, you leave it for your mail carrier, you schedule a free package pickup, or you can drop it in in a mailbox. No human contact is required. Like I said, stamps.com, you get phenomenal discounts. Right now, five cents off every first class stamp. 
40% off USPS shipping rates. And now, in addition to offering discounted U.S. Postal Service rates, Stamps.com also is offering UPS services with discounts up to 62%. Stamps.com, with it, you don't even have to pay UPS residential surcharges. It's a no-brainer, especially now in these times. It saves you time and money and keeps you safe. If you use my promo code, KevinDC, you're going to get a four-week trial plus free postage and a digital scale without any long-term commitment. Just go to stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in KevinDC. That's stamps.com, KevinDC. All right, let's uh, bring in Ben Standig from The Athletic. Um, love talking to Ben about this football team and about other things in town. Uh, follow Ben on Twitter at Ben Standig. And right now, subscribe to The Athletic. You've got a free opportunity during this pandemic to get uh, what I've been getting for a while, which is Ben Standig covering uh, the Washington Redskins and a lot of other good writers locally covering local teams. But your chance right now to try out The Athletic for free during – uh, this pandemic, I would urge you to do so. So most of you know, if you you know follow Ben or if you listen to him on various radio stations, including mine, or on this show on the podcast, that Ben was the reigning um, mock draft champion, national mock draft champion heading into uh, the draft last night. He laid out his entire first round mock with me on the radio show yesterday. Um, and, uh, you know, he's, he's been matched up against some of the best Daniel Jeremiah, Evan Silva, um, you know, Zerline, um, a lot of these guys who have been really good at doing this and he won it last year. So I do know, cause I had your mock draft and you laid it out for me yesterday. I, I do know that last night didn't go as well for you as a year ago did. Where did you finish last night? Uh, I actually don't know the place. It wasn't, it wasn't at the top. Uh, it wasn't one of the, what wasn't towards the top. So, um, I mean, ultimately, I think it, from in the purpose of the contest, I got six exactly right. And, um, um, it was a weird, it was a weird night for me from a certain perspective. And that because of dealing with the Redskins, Chase Young and the coaching staff didn't talk until the end, towards the end of the first round. And, um, I, I sort of lost my way in terms of like focusing on what was happening towards the end. Basically, the last handful of picks were a bunch of, you know, surprise players, guys that I don't think a lot of people had picked in the first round. So, um, uh, yeah, I don't know the exact place, but it definitely was more towards the middle bottom than it was the number one. <laughs> you want me to help you out with where you were? <laughs> oh, sure, go ahead. <laughs> you, you finished in a tie for 69th. However, this is more important. There's a five-year, you know, average of finishes, and you are third overall. And this is out of I don't know every bit of seventy-five to a hundred guys that are that are tracked here. So your five-year running average, you are number three overall behind Forrest Long, the Huddle Report, uh, and Ryan Mc- McChrystal from draft uh, ace, but you're ahead of guys like Evan Silva. And um, I'm looking through Lance Zierlein from NFL.com. Um, Daniel Jeremiah, who, you know, many people thought had a chance to become an NFL general manager uh, last year. So you are ahead of a lot of those guys. Uh, last night, overall, what did you make, before we get to all the Redskins stuff, 
you know, what were you most blown away um, with in the first round in terms of the way it played out? Um, and what were you, you know, did, sort of did you feel like you were spot on? Like, did you have one of your mock picks that you were most proud of or, or not? Sure. Can I, uh, can I give you some, like, inside baseball, like, in terms of, like, the process and, like, what, why for me sometimes things work and sometimes things don't? Yes, please. So, like, I, I guess this is common for a lot of people, but, like, for me, like, knowledge – is confidence. The more I feel like I know something, the more confident I am in whatever it is, whether I'm talking about, you know, my uh, day-to-day job, uh, conversation about, uh, I don't know, politics, women, uh, the Redskins, whatever the thing is, it, the more confident I, the more I think I know because I've studied it and all these things, the better I think I, I, I am. Um, and last year when I did this thing, and I was at NBC Sports Washington, you know, they had me do, I, I, it was upward of 20 mock drafts. Um, you know, from like say January on, and I was doing them like every other week for a while. In the last two months, probably every week, I was really like into a good rhythm with it. And then here at the Athletic, as, as you know, Kevin, because part of the reason why you and I started talking more on the radio was like I kind of wasn't just doing the national mock drafts for us because we have a guy, Dan Brugler, does it, and, and that's just kind of it's his thing. And I'm on the Redskins, so I wasn't like going through the regular day to day process that I was the previous year. I was like every day doing a mock when you and I would talk on the radio. I was pl- I was fiddling with it, but I wasn't like I didn't have deadlines to do it. So none of this is an excuse. But my only point is that the previous year, like I really felt locked in because I had it, it was a repetition. I really felt I could point to the the places on the board where I felt confident and could sort of uh, sift through the noise a little bit easier, easier because you could sort of see the rumors for not this year. It just felt a little bit different for me, and I think I probably ultimately let some of the noise. Uh, get to me a little bit more um, in terms of letting you know rumors uh, kind of kind of go with like where where you think things are um, are, are going to go. Uh, so in terms of like what was a surprise, I mean, I guess it's you got like you got rattled, man. You were shooting free throws against the Xfinity Center wall, you know, late in the game. You got tight. You just walked. <laughs> you just told us that you choked a little bit this year. You let it get to no. you. And you know that happens with it when you when you win a championship and you're you're expected to defend it and the circumstances are a little bit different. You know, you had to, you had to play more games on the road this year. You know, in the- <laughs> yeah, no, no, definitely, that definitely didn't definitely didn't choke. But like for example, like you're saying, like what am I most like, proud of? So for example, um, you know, Jalen Rieger at 21 to the Eagles. You nailed like, I that. Had, I, I had that, and I would guess a lot of people didn't have that. Now. Why did I have that? I mean, I, I don't know. At some point in the process, like I sort of heard that the Eagles had some had some some interest in. If you had told me that Justin Jefferson was still on the board, I definitely would not have put Jalen Rieger to the Eagles. I would have thought that would have been not possible. But in terms of like you know, again, sort of sifting through what made sense, what doesn't, it felt like the Eagles wanted wanted speed. Uh, Jalen Rieger is one of those guys, and so I made that call, and that one worked. Um, Jordan Brooks getting picked by Seattle, I reported, I didn't put it in my locker up, but I reported 10 days ago, two weeks ago, that he was a legitimate first-round contender, even though people were mocking him. I'm sorry, uh, big boards had him like late second into the third and fourth round. So while that wasn't my mock draft, like that was something I heard, and I wish I had put it in the mock draft and, 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 and didn't. So my only point is that, you know, there is a lot of noise, and just some years you just feel – yeah, I don't know. For me, at least, like you know, the more I do it, the more confident I feel. And this year, there were some other things that just happened. That I just kind of 
uh, I don't know, let, let, let the whispers uh, dictate more. But uh, look, the same thing happened the year before. I took, I mentioned to you on the radio yesterday, that I went with, I, I, I felt pretty good about going with Chris Lindstrom to the Falcons in the middle of the first round, similar to Rieger. I don't think too many people, if anybody had that. But that worked. And that's just how these things go. I mean, you know, if I had switched, I had uh, Tua and, and Herbert going back-to-back, the wrong order. If I do that, then I look better, and it is what it is. Um, to, to your point of the overall draft, I mean, I think the top half of the first round, I think what surprised me, this is my point of the noise, because what did we hear in the days leading up to the draft? Oh, there's going to be a big run on tackles. All these teams are trying to move up to three and four. There's all this talk about they're moving up for Tua, they're moving up for Herbert. Um, you're right, and, and it, I mean, you know, all these things being reported, nothing happened. None, none of these things unfolded to the point that I saw Schefter at one point last night tweet that nobody even offered the the, the Lions and the Giants anything officially at three and four, and, and so stuff like that. I'm saying, like, how could it be that we have so much breathless reporting and then nothing happens? And that that part I think was just broadly quite, was surprising to me. I was expecting more more stuff happening in the top of the draft that ultimately nothing happened. Um, and, and that I think threw some things off, um, a little bit. Yeah. I, um, you know, first of all, Thomas getting picked there was a bit of a surprise because, uh, you know, more people were thinking worse or Wills so, jr. So, so to that point, like, again, like I wrote a rumors thing for the athletic a week ago, uh, give or take in that report, I, I have in there that, uh, I had I had a general manager tell me he thought that Worth tested special but wasn't special, and simultaneously thought that Andrew Thomas was the best play, was the best tackle on the board. Um, and so, like it's one of those, but like it, you know, it's to that point, everybody in their mock drafts had Worth and and Wills. I had somebody tell me the day before the draft or the day before um, I had to officially turn in my mock draft that Worth was like a very they felt very confident Worth to the Giants was going to happen. And then obviously it, it, it didn't, and that is like, you know, I, that 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 was a weird one from that perspective. Not the position, obviously, but I think ultimately Thomas was just deemed the safest guy, and I'm assuming that's why Gettleman went went with him over over the other guys. Um, I a couple of things that that I've mentioned about the first round. First of all, I think Derek Brown's going to be a great player. I think he's going to be one of those players we look back on. And, and these are all guesses. I mean, even the experts get a, most of these things wrong. I just loved watching him as a college player. But, you know, as it relates to the Redskins and Trent Williams, when we got to 10 and we started to get into that part of the draft where there were teams that were potential trade partners with the Redskins. It was really amazing to see all of those teams go tackle. You know, Cleveland, Wills Jr., the Jets, Becton, Tampa, you know, up a spot, even though they don't really have much cap space, but they take Werfs. And then Austin Jackson goes to Southern, uh, goes to uh, goes to the Dolphins at 18 overall. Um, that was really interesting. And I think, you know, look, it's simple economics. You know, when there isn't as much demand as there was, you know, the price, you know, the price drops. I mean, more demand would have been a better situation for the Redskins. Somebody just sent this to me. Actually, Aaron just sent this to me. Bet online right now. Odds on whether Trent Williams will be traded today. Oh, this is for today. Um, no is the heavy favorite. Minus 200. Yes is plus 150. 
Um, what do you think the tackles going to the teams that were potential trade partners with the Redskins? There are others, and I mentioned Minnesota. I wouldn't be surprised if Denver somehow got involved. Garrett Bowles stinks, even though he was a first-rounder. Um, you know, maybe there's another team of Seattle or somebody like that. But what do you think happened to trade uh, Trent Williams's trade um, situation last night? Right. And, and sort of see my the point I was making before about all the all the noise. Again, what did we hear leading into the last couple days of the draft? All this tweets and stuff about Trent Williams that, that something could happen soon. I believe I saw or shortly. I believe I saw a tweet from a national reporter and this buzz, and there was like the. the the, the deepest part of Redskins Twitter was, like, oh, there's a, there's a deal happening, somebody's reporting it. And I'm like, I've been saying for a month, I'm not even saying this is based on like talking to deep insiders at Redskins Park. I'm just going with logic. Point to the trade. Tell me where somebody is giving the Redskins, if they're really holding out for a second-round pick, who's making that deal. I haven't been able to figure that out for two months because I don't think it exists, and I, I would still maintain that. That would be fantastic if I'm wrong for the Redskins' perspective, and today we find out that somebody's willing to give them a second- or a third-round pick, even a third-round pick to me. I mean, I think, you know, I've been saying this for a while to hear. Well, go ahead. Like, make, the, make the deal. Let Trent Williams negotiate through this. If you have this deal, then go ahead. I just don't think it's happening. And now, even more so, yeah, like you said, Cleveland, the Jets, Tampa Bay, all three of those teams were at least – you know, linked at least in terms of like, hey, this team needs a tackle. The case of Tampa Bay, maybe they're willing to go all in because of the Tom Brady thing. Let's make a deal. And then all three of those teams take tackle last night. The only so you would think logically that all those are out. The only positive I would think say that that happened was that Minnesota, another team that is in that mix and maybe something of an all-in team because of you know they're they're close to being a uh, you know to, to get into the Super Bowl that they made a trade down last night acquiring, I think, a fourth and a fifth round pick or a third and a fourth, some variance like that, from San Francisco. And Minnesota, I believe, now has two-thirds, two-fourths, two-fifths. They have 12 picks left, yeah, in total. Yeah, so if they want Trent Williams, let's put the salary cap part aside for a second. If they want him, that's enough ammunition to figure out how to do that, whether it's a four and a five, three and a four, whatever – Okay, their problem though is the salary cap. I think they only have like a little over twelve million dollars available. They would probably—I mean, I don't know their situation enough. Maybe there's some fancy maneuvering they can do to, to create some money, but they might have to say to the Redskins, "Look, we'll give you some uh, a pick or two, but you have to take back Riley Reese contract. Their their current tackle, he makes about—I think he's on the books for like thirteen million dollars. Um, that, that's not—I mean, I don't think he's that exciting. But look, the Redskins don't even have a, a, an obvious left tackle, so. That's about as positive as I can get as to what happened to the Redskins last night. That Minnesota maybe has more stuff to play with. I mean, I, I reported way back when that the Cardinals were a team that were kicking tires. They didn't take tackle last night, so maybe they still get interested in terms of it from a Kyler, Kyler Murray perspective. But, you know, they already paid D.J. Humphreys, their current left tackle, uh, some good money to stay this offseason. I, I don't know if they're the type of team that wants 30, you know, 30-something Trent Williams. So uh, the Chargers were another team. You thought, okay, well, maybe they could get interested. Then they trade their second and third round pick. Seem to move back into the first, so it would seem logical that they have probably lost the ammunition as well. So, um, you know, yeah, I think the Redskins, it, it took a hit. And, and like I said, I'm not surprised in the sense that I didn't see what teams were trading up. Like that, I, I'm not surprised that the team bailed on uh, or didn't bail on taking a, a, a tackle in the first round. For, for, for Trent, it just doesn't feel like, you know, I still keep seeing people right now, this morning, suggesting 
wow, I still hope they can get a second. I mean, okay, I hope you're right, but I just haven't seen how that's possible forever. The Minnesota thing's interesting um, because Riley Reif is a guy, first of all, that played better last year. You know, And Rick Spielman said the other day we liked the way he played last year. They've had some issues along that offensive line over the last couple of years, but he played pretty well. Um, uh, last year, um, and there would be, you know, if he were included as part of the trade, he's under contract uh, next year and the year after um, at roughly, you know, thirteen million bucks uh, per year. So they'd save six, seven million if they traded him, and then, you know, now now they're up to, you know, somewhere in the neighborhood of eighteen million in cap space, and then they could extend Trent and get his number lower for this year and probably make it work. I don't know what they're going to do with Anthony. Harris on that tag. They need him desperately with all of the corners they let go uh, in free agency. I mean, it was you know one after another. I don't think they, they're going to miss Xavier Rhodes at all, um, but Mackenzie Alexander and um, I'm forgetting the other corner uh, that uh, went uh, via free agency as well. But Well, they drafted a corner. Wasn't there a second uh, Jeff Gladney last night? Yeah, they, I think that, yeah they did. They drafted, they drafted Gladney. I'm just trying to think. They lost the, the Minnesota lost three corners in free agency they lost Rhodes they lost um they lost uh, Alexander and Trey Waynes Trey, Trey Waynes was the other one so you know not to mention that they lost Linval Joseph they lost um you know right now Griffin's not under contract um you know they still have one of the best pass rushers in the game in, in Hunter and they've got Barr and they've got Kendricks and they've got Anthony Harris who they tagged along with Harrison Smith but you know there's been some talk about them letting Anthony Harris maybe go maybe rescinding that you know maybe Harris could become a, a part of a trade um you know that would he is a big time free safety and he would look great next to Landon Collins um you know much more so than I think Sean Davis would but anyway um I I think the net of it is that and I don't want to get into the you know back and forth that you and I have had over the last several months the bottom line is the Redskins by not making him available much sooner much longer ago this was always the risk if they had any vision looking forward to the 2020 draft, that it was a draft that most people thought had a ton of tackles in the draft, especially in the first part, uh, for, you know, the early portion of the draft. And, you know, by, by continuing, by being petty, by being stubborn, um, by being stupid, really, in my view, um, they put themselves into this position personally and I put a poll out and I shared every uh, with everybody what the poll was early this morning and I took calls on this on the show um I think the chances of Trent Williams coming back are are you know somewhere in one in four I I still think they'll trade him and I bet they end up trading him to Minnesota this weekend but if it doesn't happen I I asked the question would you as a fan accept him back would you want him back 62 percent say yeah bring him back they have a left tackle need he's got to play Ben, there's no practical way he can hold out again. His career is over if he holds out again. So yeah, he 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 definitely needs. I mean, it's a practical matter. He, you know, last year he had millions of dollars. He he didn't get, and you can't just you know make that up simple enough. Um, my only thing, and this is what I just come back to. I'm sure I said it yesterday on the radio or, or previously with you, is that you know it to me when I look at the chess game here. All Ron Rivera has preached about, you know, almost above everything else is he wants to re- reshape the culture 
of this place. He wants guys who are all in. I mean, that's partly why they moved, he said he moved Quentin Dunbar as quick as they did for essentially as little as they did. They're holding on to Trent Williams more because Trent Williams is a much more valuable asset. But at the end of the day, if you're really trying to reshape this whole thing, even if Trent Williams is not a bitter pill in the locker room, do you really want a guy in there who clearly doesn't want him to be there? I just think that if you're Ron Rivera, year one of this thing, that just I don't want that situation in my locker room. I want it over with. And the reality is, like you just said, this is the fault ultimately of what happened last year, which has nothing to do with Ron Rivera. He can easily, whether he wouldn't probably say it himself, but he can easily just pin it on, hey, look, we inherited this situation. It should have been dealt with before. Um, you know, uh, it, it is what it is. And, and, and you know, we, we, we just felt we needed to move on and get a fresh start because we're about the future, not about the past. And this situation re- represents that. I, I will say the one thing I thought, and may, we'll, we'll find out probably the, the, more of the, in, the history of this, over time, but based on what we've heard, at least what I've heard, is just what, what Rivera has said publicly. He didn't really start reaching out to any players until early February, right. and I really kind of wonder it will, what, why you don't reach out to Trent Williams specifically week one of of getting hired just to say, "Hey, man, glad we get a chance to talk." He, look, I got to figure out where the where my office is, where the bathroom is. I, I got some things I need to figure out. You're on the list. Obviously, we want to see what we can do with you one way or the other. Yeah, I agree. We'll talk, but but that, that to me was the one part of my, eh, I don't know why they waited because it feel like that didn't help the situation. Well, I think it also, like, um, I, I, have, I have a belief that what I'm going to say could work, but I just don't know whether or not organizationally they want it to work. And uh, I've laid it out already on the podcast and before, but, you know, at some point it's like, hey, Trent, look, we couldn't get what we wanted for you. You know, the problem that you had with the organization, Bruce Allen, Larry Hess, et cetera, they're gone. Talk to anybody about me. Um, my players really respect me, like me. Give me a shot. We need a left tackle. We're not going to trade you. We're not going to do that for a fourth rounder or, you know, a, a third and, you know, a fourth and a conditional something, you know, based on you signing with another team, whatever it is. We're not doing that. You need to play and we'll offer you, you know, uh, we'll make you the following offer that we won't franchise tag you after the 2020 season. S- similar to what Seattle did with Clowney. I know it's different, but give us a shot. We'll give you a shot. You need to play. You need to get that contract next year after playing in 2020. We need a left tackle. You know, let's shake hands and make the best efforts over the next, you know, nine, ten months and um, together, and then we won't franchise tag you. My problem with that is that I do know, you know, and I've mentioned this before, that it wasn't, his teammates love him, you know, he's respected, Um, but there are people in the front office of this organization that felt betrayed, that are still angry to this day, and it went beyond Bruce Allen being angry, and to your point, if there's this culture change, you know, that, that he's more dialed in on, you know, he may ultimately say, you know what, this wasn't my problem. You know, I, I, I'm trying to change things. I need to move on from a guy that doesn't want to be here. And, oh, by the way, some people that I work for, maybe the owner and maybe a couple of other people, they don't really want him here either. So that that's what I'm – that, that's what I would be concerned about because I do think that, you know, it could work from a day-to-day standpoint if he ended up playing here. He's not going to be a guy that's going to cause a huge disruption when he has to play well to get a contract next year. 
Um, yeah, and and I think you know, in a season of crazy stuff that happened last year, the thing that stood out to me the most was being in that locker room and Trent Williams showing up for one day yeah. and unloading on that organization in such a way that you're yeah, if you're people who work in that building, and yes, he, the, the attention he focused on was mostly at Bruce Allen and the former trainer, who no, neither one of them are there, but other people work in that building, and yeah, I mean, it's such a bizarre. Look, and you can't you can't put that toothpaste back in the tube. The other teammates saw this happen. They know what he's thinking. So, um, or you know, so yeah, it just seems like it would be really hard for people in that building outside of the locker room. And then if you're Rivera to, to sort of have this in there, unless there's just a real turnaround. And um, you know, I, I thought there would have been a chance to, for sure once Rivera came on board, based on his reputation as a yeah you know, guy who really gets along with his players. And then you know, pretty quickly on. It became apparent. Trent's like, no, no, no. I still, I still, nothing's changed for me. I still want to, I still want out of here. Especially, I assume since uh, even you know, he, I don't even know if the money matters for him in terms of the Redskins anymore. So yeah, he wants out. I, I, I'm with you. I think I wonder if the owner was like, hey, you know, we're, we're not, we're not keeping him. Uh, you know, we're going to figure this out somehow in a good way for us. And um, and that's it. It would be great if they could work it out because it would effectively help everybody involved except for. You know, Trent Williams wouldn't be getting an extension, and you know, at his age with his injuries, I mean, ultimately, I think that is what he wants is, is more security, which I don't blame him for. But you know, I don't think that's going to be coming from Washington. Um, last, the last thing on him, and Ben Standig is joining us here on the show, and that is, you know, ultimately, um, you know, if he really felt like this was a stand that was principled, and he felt like he needed to take. Um, well then good on him. Um, but ultimately this was a disaster for him financially. Um, he could have easily come in last year, more likely than not figured out a way to get himself on injured reserve justifiably after the multiple surgeries that he had on his head. Um, wouldn't have lost a penny, wouldn't have, you know, created the ill will both ways. Um, his agent did himself, uh, did his client a disservice here, especially recently when he went public with, you know, the Redskins are changing their their tune on offers and they've they've been able to generate enough offers. Clearly that was not true. They may have generated offers, but not offers that the Redskins were willing to accept. You know, I think the Redskins, had they gotten, you know, a second rounder or, or an approximate thereof, two thirds or, you know, a third third, a fourth, and a next year's two, whatever, I think they would have taken it and run with it. They obviously didn't get that, and the agent was either being really, really um, sort of misleading or just overall disingenuous uh, when it came to those public conversations about it. But anyway, um, I think he'll get traded this weekend still, but after last night, the odds for me have increased uh, back to where they were maybe a month ago, and that is I'd give it a 25% chance that he doesn't get traded. Yeah, I, I mean, and, and, you know, the only thing I, I will say, like, I, just to, to sort of go back to the agent point, like, in terms of last year, I, last season, I definitely think that his side handled it wrong. There was no, I mean, to me, they should have been early on publicly stating I want out of here and make the, put the pressure out to themselves, not leave it up to D'Angelo Hall or other random rumors to, to be out there. I think Trent Williams genuinely didn't want to upset Dan Snyder. I, I, I think he respects him enough and, and they had a, a strong relationship that he really was hopeful that it could go a different way. I agree with that. 
and, and it, but that to me is when you had to have made the point. That's when because there was that's when you they had some leverage um, to to do it or before the trade deadline. After that, and then the common sense. I mean, it feels like it's a little too late. I, but again, I, I will say to to this year though, it, you know, we we know how rumors get out there. We have never one time heard a real rumor that said that the Redskins and Team X, could, you know, have have sort of come to terms on a on a deal that would get the Redskins a third round contract, a third round pick, and now it's up to Trent Williams to negotiate a contract. I just don't think it was out there, and I think that is effectively what the agent was sort of saying. I just don't think that, like, you know, whether whether, he, whether his side ultimately agreed to money with some team that that he's claiming. I mean, obviously, I don't know that, but that's what they're claiming that they found. Reasonable terms, and um, I mean, he said that to me that they found some, you know, some somebody who's willing to give them what they want effectively, but that the Redskins are the ones sort of you know, hold, holding it back. But whatever it is, um, yeah, I mean, I I, I, I think, that, and here's the other thing: working sort of on the Redskins side, I guess, because of this COVID nineteen situation, we have no idea. His medical situation. What that? Were you going to say about him physically? No, I was going to say that, like, you know, normally right now there would be a rush to sort of hurry this up. There's OTAs. Oh, yeah, yeah, you know, know, yeah, right. Right, they don't have to do anything right now. Nobody's in the building. And, and, well, and not just for them, but for all for every team. Exactly. Like other teams, other teams are going to want. Hey, we want the left tackle here to start getting work. Well, nothing's happening. So to that end, times on the Redskins side. But yeah, I mean, just the again, all the, the, the the places they could send him. That number dropped significantly last night. Hey, look again, there could be that random team that has a, 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 another player at a position that we're just not thinking about that says, "All right, we'll trade you all this salary for Trent Williams." You want to do it? And, you know, it's more of like an NBA kind of a trade. But, like, you know, maybe, maybe at some point they're going to say, look, the heck with it. Let's just get what we can get, and, you know, and, and move on. I just hope, you know, and we're spending you know, too much time on this, but it, it seems like it happens all the time. And Tommy made this point yesterday on the podcast, and that is this is a more interesting and debated conversation because, and, and I said, well, that's because the Chase Young pick was, you know, sort of such a lock. Like, they're, it, you know, th- that's what was going to happen. So we focused to all of the reporting over the last couple of days about Trent. But, you know, the bottom line is, you know, they should have been actively trying to trade him. You know, the the Charles the, the the Robinson report from Yahoo that the Browns were willing to offer a first round pick, you know, early in the season. They, you know, and then the Redskins may have at the very eleventh hour before the trade deadline, um, you know, be, started to think about trading him. They never actively made him available. We'll never know what they really could have gotten other than the reporting that the Browns were going to offer a first and some of the other things. I think logic dictates that Houston could have been a, a a significant trade uh, possibility for them, but they blew it. You know, regardless of the disagreement that you and I have over whatever it is that they would have gotten, they would have gotten more than they're probably going to end up getting had they been more aggressive and less petty and less stubborn on this situation. Yeah, I mean, I think you were you you would think you had heard first. I'd heard like a not a first, but yes, I still heard like a second. And like you know, I mean, look. Like I said, if somebody offered them a third right now, they should run to the, run and, and grab it. I don't uh, want. I don't want a third. I'd rather him play for a year for them. They they have a left tackle need. But again, I don't know. I I do know that there are people in the front office that want to see him gone. But I but I also feel at the same time it would benefit the organization to pass on taking a third or a fourth and have him play for a year. 
You know, I, I just I do, especially at this point. It, I mean, if the deal doesn't come until the weekend, then it's a next year pick anyway. Um, but whatever. Let, let's. I want to get back to the. I want to. I, I've got a couple of other Chase Young related um, uh, questions for you. But before we do that, in that first round last night, what do you think the biggest reach was, and what what did you think the best pick? You know, the best value pick was in the first round. Um, you know, the cornerbacks after you got from Jeff Okuda and C.J. Henderson to the next handful of guys. It wouldn't have been surprising me whoever was the next cornerback off the board. You could have named a handful of guys. I think the, the, the kid Damon Arnett from Ohio State, who was, I believe, the third corner. That one seemed to be further down the list. I mean, there were definitely some whispers of a first round potential for for him. But again, you could probably point to like fifty guys who had that. But he just happened to be one. Well, AJ Terrell went before him. Was that a reach oh, okay. for well, the Falcons at sixteen? No, I think I think Terrell again, at least in the in the public projections, he was he was in that range. I think I had said Terrell going nineteen to the Raiders. Okay, Arnett was not a guy who right. was being picked um, in the first round a lot, and he went ahead of over a lot of other guys that were. So I don't, I, I wouldn't say it's a reach because he may just have been at the bottom of that tier, but that one seemed to probably be <clears throat> the most surprising. Um, the other one, I would say Jordan Brooks, the uh, Texas Tech linebacker. Like I reported like ten days ago that he is a legitimate first-round sleeper. But at the, the reason why it was so stunning when I heard this was when I looked at various uh, public big boards, he was being projected in, like, the late second at the earliest, maybe third, maybe fourth, whatever. And so, you know, his, his numbers and production in college were very impressive. So, you know, it, it, you know, is this a tape thing? Is this one of those things where if we had a normal pro days and normal visits, he would have been more in that first round conversation publicly, and it's just we didn't know that. Maybe, but uh, I do. You know, he's talking. To some, some people definitely didn't see that, so I think that one was a surprise. Um, as far as the best value goes, um, I mean, I I thought Justin Jefferson was moving up. I don't. I, I would bet Minnesota may have been a little surprised that he was still there for them yeah. at twenty two. Again, again, especially with the Eagles taking a receiver at twenty one. So I, I think. He's a very interesting one. I don't know if it's the best value. I heard some people question some things about C.D. Lamb, but there's a lot to like there as well from a physical package and an aggressive receiver. And that he lands in Dallas, you know, where they've already got Amari Cooper, Ezekiel Elliott, Dak Prescott, Michael Gallup's pretty good. I mean, you know, weapon on top of weapon now. Like, like you know, it's not like it was a precipitous drop for him, but the fact that he landed on that team could be a pretty interesting scenario if he is um you know if he's got his he, he, if he's got his like, game together his life together he's ready for the pros mature wise then uh, I, I think that could be a pretty fascinating situation here for Dallas yeah I think I agree with you on Jefferson um I think Judy you know going to Denver at 15 that's a great pick for them you know it's funny I looked at um I don't know a week ago I found a mock from basically after, you know, over the summer last year. And Judy was like, you know, somewhere in the top two to top five. But you know who else was, was Andrew Thomas. And, you know, up until last night, a lot of people thought, you know, he was going to be the third tackle off the board, maybe the fourth. Um, but but I thought I, I, I thought that Jefferson was really good value for Minnesota at 22. Um, and there was one other one. 
I think when you like, I, I think if you watch Patrick Queen play, you realize that the the actual fit with the team is like a perfect one. And there was a chance he was going to go before twenty eight overall, but I think that's a really good match with Baltimore. hundred percent. I, I went back and looked at um, a mock draft that I did in January, and um, Queen to Jack, Queen to Baltimore. Henderson's Jacksonville, Kinlaw, at least a highly probable pick for the Niners. And, and like, you know, to, to your point about Andrew Thomas, like going back even a little bit further, like he was like, like at the end of last year when we knew the Redskins were going to be, you know, a top five pick, like Andrew Thomas was the guy a lot of us were talking right, about. exactly. Because we knew that Trent Williams was likely gone and he was the guy. And then, you know, as is often the case, you know, as you get through the, into these off seasons, you know, the rumor mill runs wild and maybe because he's safe not spectacular and he was also the guy that everybody was talking about he got somewhat ignored whereas some of these other tackles got got pushed up and you know ultimately you know it's if we if we eliminated the last four months of noise nobody would have been surprised that Andrew Thomas was not only the first tackle pick but a top five pick yeah exactly um all right, uh, back to Chase Young in some of the reporting from the Post, uh, Carpenter, suggesting that two teams in particular were aggressive in trying to move up. Uh, we believe one was Atlanta. You know, The other one, he said, was offering picks in a player who wanted to be traded. I just guessed that that was Jacksonville and Ngakwe. Would you guess the same thing? Based on that description, sure. I mean, obviously, you know, for, from Jacksonville's perspective, you know, giving the Redskins another pass rusher and getting one, getting one in return. Um, you know, again, I, I here's one thing that's always funny to me, and it, and it took me a long time in life to sort of realize this, but when 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 we're all, you know, most rumors or most topics of, of conversation out there in sports have nothing to do with the teams that we know intimately because there's, you know. 32 teams in the NFL and NBA and all that stuff. And so you hear these rumors from the outside, you're like, wow, that's whatever. I can't believe the team is doing that or thinking that or why would it? And you take it sort of from face value because, of the, you know, the reporting is right. what it is. But then when the reporting spins back your way, I think I learned this during the RG3 era when people were getting upset that Kirk Cousins was going to start. And you're like, are you serious? Are you watching? <laughs> what are you talking about? Who would, be, who would think this is insane? Only people from the outside being fed narratives that RG3 is Superman. And so, to that end, the, the last two months that we've heard about this, oh, they're going to take two, or they're going to trade out, all these things, I'm not saying it was a negative percent chance, but I literally don't think I heard, like, one person the whole time say to me, oh, watch out, they're going to trade them. I mean, nobody who was, like, you know, sort of truly local, in the know, reasonable, not just throwing stuff up at a, at a wall. So, yeah, I mean, I don't I, – and Ron Rivera's comments last night to, to the media – we're pretty firm. He's like, yeah, we weren't, we weren't doing anything. We, 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 we do due diligence. Like, uh, yes, of course, we're, we're going to look at Tua. Yeah. Why wouldn't we? What, I mean, th- th- this is what we have to do. It would be insane, it, it, you know, to, to not do that. And that's all they, they, that's all they did. He did say one thing I thought was interesting. He said that they decided they needed to have a, a, a certain impact level player, and they thought there was only three guys in the draft who fit that description. Right. When then press, well, could you name? The other ones will we'll get Burrow as one. He he passed on that, so it's interesting to sort of wonder who's that third guy. Did they actually think Tua was that guy? No, uh, I think I think it was you know, I think Simmons it was or? I think it was Okuda. And the reason I think that is in the Les Carpenter piece, 
the Redskins apparently would have only considered a deal if they would have had a chance to get Okuda if they didn't get Young. So I think it was Jeff Okuda. Uh, okay, well, I mean, I mean... Yeah, I think it was Burrow. I think he's either, when he made the statement, Rivera made the statement, there were three impact players in this draft. I think it was Burrow, Young, and Okuda. And again, the, the, and I'll read you the line from Les Carpenter's piece. Um, one of the um, te- so, so that makes sense. Yeah, one of the teams was offering picks and a top player. The Redskins coveted uh, the, the player that the Redskins coveted most after Young was Ohio State corner Jeff Okuda, and the team may have been more open to a trade if it was assured of landing Okuda after trading back. So I think that that was the third guy, which, by the way, surprises me. I mean, I, I watched I watched a bunch of Okuda stuff. I think he's good. I actually think C.J. Henderson's a better playmaker, but whatever. I mean, it's it's so hard. What do we know? I, I always find it, you know, it's funny the way you were describing sort of reporting, and I agree with you on everything you said. Um, I always find it interesting at, you know, and by the way, I'd throw myself into this category, but there, there there's a difference, and I'll explain it. I always find it interesting when I listen to people who I know couldn't give two shits about college football, and they're just NFL, you know, devotees, and that's all they watch, and that's what they, you know, their whole world revolves around, and we get to the week leading up to the draft, and they're absolutely definitive in their opinions about certain players, and they didn't watch college football all year. That happens every year, but by the way, it really doesn't matter, because the people that watch every single snap of every game and then watch the coaches film get it wrong 65% of the time too. But um I uh that that always that always cracks me up to to hear um you know a lot of media members that I know don't watch and, and aren't interested in college football. I, I I always have strong opinions on players that I watched as a fan. You watch, you know, Saturday football too, and, and I watch it as much as I watch the NFL. That's why, you know, I'll have strong opinions on guys, which I'll be wrong more than half the time on. But out of that first round, I love Chase Young. I love Joe Burrow. I love, love Derek Brown. And I really love Justin Jefferson. You know, the the Jordan Love thing, I, I'm surprised Green Bay did it. I don't know why they did it. I don't know why somebody wouldn't look at Aaron Rodgers and think at 36 he's got a minimum of, of four years left. And at that point, if he's still playing at a high level – you know, you've got the fifth-year option on Love, but but then he's going to have to start on that option year, and you're going to get to see what you have. I, I was surprised by that. Yeah, you know, in terms of, like, the mock draft, you know, one of the ultimate real goal, you know, everybody focuses on getting the match of the player and the team. You know, the, 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 the main goal for me is trying to figure out what 32 players will be in the first round and then figure out fits sort of from there. And I had Jordan Love in the first round, Pretty much the whole time until the very end, and the part of the reason I dropped him in the end, you know, there's some questions about where where he would go, but also it was like he's going to make it into the twenties, and when you look at those teams that are picking there, of course somebody could trade from outside of the first round back in, but looking at those teams, why would New Orleans or Green Bay, two teams that are contenders, who you know, I mean, Green Bay was in the NFC Championship game, and the Saints easily could have you know been in the Super Bowl if things had gone their way. Why, why would they use a valuable first-round pick on a quarterback when they have needs that could help them, you know, this guy could help them, uh, you know, get there right now? And Green Bay did that. And I really wonder how that's going to go over with Aaron Rodgers. But I also just think 
man, they never want to get this guy help a receiver, and they had perfect opportunity last night to do that or, or whatever, take any kind of position. And instead, uh, I mean, look, well, you know, I, I'm sure people probably made the exact same argument 15 years ago or whatever when they took Aaron Rodgers. Of course, Rodgers was projected to be like the first pick in the draft right. and slid all the way down to the yes, 20 and 24. And that's, that's a bit different than this. So, um, you know, I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see what Jordan turns out to be. You obviously always need quarterbacks. you got to be on the lookout. But, man, I, I would just think I'd want to do whatever I could to maximize Aaron Rodgers for as long as I could. I forgot to make that distinction. It's a, it's a really important one, is that Rodgers was falling and Green Bay took Rodgers with their pick. In this particular case, they traded up to take a guy that may not have gone in the first round, um, which you know essentially tells you how much they really like him. By the way, one other quick thing on the first round. I'm not surprised, and I think I told you this yesterday, that DJ that, that Swift was not the first running back taken, and I love Edwards Hilaire, and I love Dobbins too, and I think we're going to see a lot of running backs come off the board um, tonight in the second round. Yeah, I mean, I think the running backs, you know, uh, sort of what what is what are you looking for in a running back would determine which, which guy you like the best, and, you know, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, it's possible all four of the guys you just mentioned go in the first round. In 2020, that's not happening. People don't value running backs in the same way. Kansas City is a particularly unique circumstance. I mean, they got by last year with a guy who was, you know, off the scrap heap to be their go-to guy. I remember one mock draft I had uh, Swift as the pick at 32, and then some executive was like, eh. You know, why would Kansas City take a running back in the first round? Look what they just did. They don't need to do that. And, you know, you can make that argument that maybe they shouldn't have, but this guy, you know, Edward Pelaire is such a good fit for what they do and just makes it all the more challenging now to, to deal with that offense, having a, a, a pass catcher like that out of the backfield. So I totally get why Kansas City went for him and went that, went that route. Um, but yeah, in general, it's just, you know, running backs are, uh, you know, it's not what it used to be in terms of uh, the value of them in the draft. All right. Two more and I'll let you run. Um, in, I got nowhere to go. And think, yeah, I know. Um, uh, in thinking about, in thinking about the Redskins, you know, defensive front uh, and all of the players they have there, and you know they're going to play. And I, Rivera talked about a rotation last night. Now that we know Chase Young is there, what do you think is going to happen with Kerrigan? It's a great question. You know, to, to sort of go back to this whole reason about the, this whole left tackle, and that's why we, you know, Trent Williams staying makes sense. Like, I, I, I'm at this point of the opinion, yeah, look, if they had signed Amari Cooper, things would be different, but they didn't. And pretty much everything else they did in free agency is about depth and culture and build and sort of, you know, filling in the gaps, but not really overt needs. I mean, all, all their needs were still, look, all their needs they, we talked about in the offseason still exist. The left tackle, receiver, tight end, yes. arguably corner. I mean, nothing's changed. I mean, Chase Young builds on something with a strength, but it doesn't. That, that wasn't necessarily a hole. And so I, I sort of might think, like, well, what's the? What, okay, fine. You're building for the future. That's why I know the, the Trent Williams part. I'm like, yeah, whatever. But that's also to me why the Kerrigan part is a little confusing to me. If he, if we are talking culture, clearly that's a that's a guy you want on your side. Sets the tone. Works hard. You know. Until last year, he played every single game uh, of his career. 
So, you know, I totally get why you want that guy sort of being somebody you could point to and say, aha, see, young man, that's how you be a professional. That's how you go after it. But that said, he makes good money. And you now have Montez Sweat. You have Chase Young in this 4-3. You would imagine all three of those guys are going to probably play more 4-3 end than uh, 4-3 outside linebacker, I would guess. Uh, but, by the way, you still have Ryan Anderson and some other guys there. So I, I don't know. I mean, look, I'm, you can, I'm sure if we ask this to Jack Del Rio and, and Rivera, they'd say, oh, it just means we have an incredible amount of options. And that all always sounds great, and that's fine. But from like a practical matter, you know, how much is, do you really want Kerrigan sort of, I don't want to say in the way, but like how much do you want him t- taking up space for, for Sweat and Young when realistically on the last year of his deal, this is probably it for Ryan Kerrigan in Washington, I would guess. I mean, maybe not, but, you know, he's not going to get paid the same amount of money again. So, you know, typically that means a guy leaves. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, again, th- this is a fun problem to have. The Redskins have so many guys now in the front seven that seem to be at a pretty good at the high level. And that'll be great for Del Rio and Rivera to scheme. But on the other hand, yeah, I, I just don't know if Chase Young comes in and is able to rip it off right away. And, and Sweat, who at the end of last year really started to pick it up, continues like, you know, it just feels like Kerrigan would be the third guy. And that's just a lot of money for the third guy. But again, I get from a locker room for a better perspective why you would, uh, you know, keep it going with him because he, you know, he, he can help you in other ways. I hear what you're saying, especially back to to how you got into it, which is, you know, they didn't address any of their obvious needs. I would just, my response to that would be, you always have a need for a player of Chase Young's talent and potential. And, you know, the truth of the matter is, I'm a big Montez Sweat fan. I was. I liked that they traded into the first round, you know, traded this year's second to get him uh, last year to move up to that spot. Um, I, I think they they have and had ha- and have had a need. They they have a need and have had a need for a dominant pass rusher for decades now. And so I think they filled the need last night. Now there are a lot of other needs that they haven't filled yet, and they've got you know the rest of this draft and and still potentially opportunities in free agency to do that. But. Um, I would not. I, I was not uh, in favor of trading back and getting a bunch of picks that may have filled more potential needs and passing on a player of his caliber. The Kerrigan thing to me, yeah, is it's a head scratcher, um, but I think there's room for him. Like when people say, like so I was asked this morning, Ben. Uh, well, they got to trade somebody. And I said, no, they don't. They don't have to trade anybody. And he said, well, th- what if they do trade somebody? I said, if they trade somebody, it's going to be Deron Payne. And by the way, I don't, I don't want to see Deron Payne traded. I think he's got the most upside of anybody on that defensive front that isn't named Chase Young. Um, but I, I think they're just going to bring all these guys in. You know, you have that kind of rotation, and if it turns into a you know a, a, an elite defensive front, they're going to be a better football team. Not to mention that the coaching alone defensively should make them better. Um, last thing, what do they do tonight? Give me a couple of predictions on what they do tonight. Well, um, you know, in the, the, no second round pick at this point. They have the sixty six. Overall picks, that's like the second pick in the third round. You know, uh, tight end remains a, um, a, a need, uh, as far as I'm concerned. And there has, there's no tight end yet picked. It wouldn't even surprise me if there's no tight end picked in the second round, but, you know, logically something will, one or two guys 
will will go, and that means they can be towards the front of the of the run there at sixty six. But you know, after we heard from Rivera ten days ago or so, I switched my thinking from that to that they would that they would wait on tight end because the difference between what they can get in the third and fourth round probably not that exciting. I think a guy like Devin Assisi from UCLA is somebody to watch in the fourth round. But that, but in the third round, like all this receiver depth we've talked about uh, leading into the draft, you know, realistically there'll be somebody there who slips that should have been picked in the second round based on projections, and is still there. And it that to me that that guy starts right likely a good opposite Terry McLaurin week one. So it's not just a guy who would be oh this could be good down the line. Conceivably he comes in right away and 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 starts, and I think that would be attractive. And I and I think. I have been thinking, wait on tackle, you know, add a veteran somehow to Donald Penn, whatever, somebody like that, to help you with Haskins more than a third-round tackle uh, uh, tackle would. So to me, if it's not receiver, I think cornerback makes sense. Not only is there still a little bit of need this year, but beyond this year, you know, Darby and Moreau are both free agents. And, you know, even with Kendall Fuller, I don't think they have a, a, you know, a, a truly dominant corner that they couldn't afford another one. So, I think receiver, corner, and with and tight end are the three things I'd look at at 66. And, and the other thing is, I guess, if some of the quarterbacks flip, your Jake Fromm's, your Jalen Hurts's, you know, maybe it's an opportunity to trade down and get some additional picks, which could be interesting. But if they stay, I, I feel like, boy, some receiver slide, that would be pretty enticing, I would think. I was going to ask you, actually, Who's the player right now that teams are trying to jockey to get up into the early portion of the second round to take? Oh, good question. Um, well, you know, in terms of the guys who weren't picked, the people projecting in the first round, and there's a few cornerbacks still there, Jalen Johnson from Utah, Trayvon Diggs, Alabama. You know, there's still pretty good corner depth overall, but a bunch went yesterday, so if you want one, you know, if you're towards the middle of the back of the second round, you may need to move up. There's a, you know, there's not many edge pass rushers in this draft, and Gross Matos from Penn State fell oh. out of the first round. Right. And and uh, you know, I, I uh, Ezra Cleveland from Boise State, one of those guys that kind of blew up at the combine, offensive tackle. You know, some people, some scouts were not big fans, but uh, you know, uh, others are others are, and he could be, you know, what what was it, uh, six? Uh, was it six tackles? Seven, whatever, six tackles that went yeah. in the first round last night, and the and the thought was between Josh Jones and Ezra Cleveland. After that, this thing really dropped. So if you want to tackle, you better go get one of those guys. So uh, I, I think, you know, I think that could be another area as well. I, I don't know if anybody's clamoring to move up to get high in second to get Jacob Eason or Fromm or Jalen Hurts, but look, quarterbacks. Last I checked, pretty important. So if somebody has a hankering, that that could be the way to go as well. Um, Xavier McKinney's there, you know, the safety from Bama. A lot of people had him in the first round. Yeah. You know, sure. Co- Cooley told me yes um, on Wednesday on the podcast, I forget if I told you this or not, he said, Cole Komet's a first-round pick. And I said, well, nobody's mocking him in the first round. He said, I-, I don't really care. I'm just telling you he's better than TJ Hawkinson from last year. He's better than Noah Fant from last year. And he's better from Ir- than Irv Smith, who went in the second round last year. He goes, I know the position. I value, I- I've watched all of them. And he goes, Cole Komet should be a first-rounder. And I said, okay, well, 
I'll write down something less than a first down and hold you to it. And we said, you know, early second, I think is what we said. And he was comfortable with that. The funny thing is literally yesterday on Kuiper's final mock draft, I finally saw Cole Komet in the first round. You know, he was up there uh, to Green Bay at 30. So I think, you know, he's got a chance to go early in the second round. I'm going to throw out something that maybe you'll agree with because maybe you also said something about him recently. I think Jalen Hurts is a quarterback that teams really think highly of. Like, I think he's the next quarterback to go in front of Fromm, in front of Eason, you know, anybody else that I'm forgetting there. Um, And it wouldn't surprise me if somebody, you know, in that early portion of, of the, you know, maybe the first five to ten picks of tonight's draft if Jalen Hurts goes. Yeah, I mean, he was one of those. 40 odd, 50 players who I heard at some point say that there's a potential for a first round pick there. I, you know, I always just think of Jalen Hurts more as the uh, Alabama quarterback than the Oklahoma quarterback. And I can't comprehend the Alabama quarterback is somebody that people are dying for. But obviously, when people go to Oklahoma, things uh, turn around under Lincoln Riley. So, you know, I, I mean, we'll see. You know, it kind of fits more of the modern era guys move, not just stuck there in the pocket. And that can be appealing. To, to some teams as well, so yeah, for sure. I mean, I, that, that wouldn't that 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 wouldn't uh, be surprising. Uh, you know, uh, you know, four quarterbacks went in the first round, and it really is not that many teams that either don't already have a clear starter or don't have a young guy in the pipeline that's going to be the, the the guy. But you know, Pittsburgh, the Ben Roethlisberger, you have to wonder what what's their plan. I mean, even though we just discussed like why do you draft the quarterback when, when you have Aaron Rodgers? I don't know if I feel the same, but Roethlisberger's been dealing with injuries. I wonder if the wheels are potentially about to come off. Hopefully not, but, you know, you kind of wonder if they feel like they need more of an urgent backup plan than Green Bay, so that could be a team. If, I don't know if Pittsburgh's the type of place that's going to trade up, but, like, I could see them taking a quarterback in the second round. Did Trey Burton get picked up by anybody? I'm just, I was just thinking about um, the yeah, Redskins. Oh, the Colts picked him up. Okay. Um all right, uh, thanks um, for doing this. Much appreciated. Uh, and I will talk to you um, probably next week at some point. Have a good yeah, weekend. Man, and thank, appreciate it. Thanks to you for uh, for all the run. It's been fun the last few weeks on the radio, um, even at the ungodly hour at 8 in the morning. But, uh, <laughs> it's, but it's, I, I, I love when people say that, the ungodly hour of 8 a.m. My day's half over, basically. I've been up since 3.30. <laughs> um, but, no, I, you know, it, it benefited me more than it, than it, than it did you. So I, I'm appreciative. Thanks so much. Have a good weekend. Thanks, man. All right, second and third round tonight. Um, the Redskins, most of you know, have a third rounder. They don't have a second rounder. Remember, they dealt that to Indianapolis as part of their – uh, trade that got him into the first round at the end of the first round last year to take Montez Sweat. Um, so right now, unless they make some deal, they have a third rounder tonight. They have two fourth rounders tonight. So three picks tonight, and then they've got a fifth rounder and two sevenths uh, after that to finish up the, uh, finish up the draft on uh, on Saturday. In terms of Trent Williams, just to repeat, I think he'll get traded this weekend. Um, if he doesn't, I think the chances on Monday that we're having a conversation about him coming back um, are, are significant conversations about that. Minnesota would be the team I'd lean towards. They have all those picks. They have 12 picks left in this draft. Um, I think Denver's a, a team that could potentially make a deal for him as well. As far as players you know uh, that the Redskins may have a chance to get, 
uh, at 66. Um, ben mentioned, you know, wide receiver and the depth of wide receiver, tight end. You know, certainly if Cole Komet, the Notre Dame receiver, if Cooley's wrong and he doesn't get picked in the second round and he's sitting there at the beginning of the third, that would be a huge win for uh, the Redskins to be able to add a player of his cat, uh, caliber. Uh, Cooley likes Troutman from Dayton. He also liked Assisi a little bit from UCLA, liked the kid from Missouri uh, as well. And Charlie Warner is the guy that he's been all over. He had a chance to coach him from Georgia. You know, Warner's really a, a very late-round pick and would be a Saturday pick more than anything. But uh, but that's a, a guy to, to, to keep an eye on at that position. The wide receivers, we're going to see a run on them in the second half. I I can't second round. I can't imagine that guys like Higgins and Pittman and and KJ Hamler and Claypool aren't taken in the second round. You know, Chenault Jr. from Colorado, Denzel Mims, who at at, many, at multiple points over the last couple of months, Chenault Jr. too have been mocked in the first round. I think all those guys end up going in the second round. The Redskins might have an opportunity in the third round, though to get a guy that Fred Smoot told me is going to be a star, uh, Antonio Gandy-Golden from Liberty. It's possible they could go Ohio State with another former Haskins receiver and draft K.J. Hill, who is probably going to be there in the third round. Brian Edwards at one point, you know, there's some injuries there, but a lot of people liked him. I like, in addition to Hamler, who I really like, um, who is off the board. Most of you know I really like Tyler Johnson from Minnesota, and I think he would be available potentially in the fourth round um, for the Redskins. Um, the, Colin Johnson out of Texas is a huge receiver at 6'5", 6'6", and Devin Duvernay is more of, of a top-end uh, speed guy out of Texas. They're both uh, projected there. Chase Claypool, haven't mentioned him from Notre Dame, another big target. You know, some people like him as well. I wouldn't be, I'd be surprised if he were around at 66. Um, corners, you know, Ben was mentioning some of the corners. I think we're going to see several of those off the board in the second round. Jalen Johnson from Utah, probably Trayvon Diggs. Here's a guy potentially that could be there in the third round is Bryce Hall, a bigger sized corner, you know, a team captain, you know, a multiple year starter in a really good defensive scheme at UVA. Um, you know, he's a possibility, um, you know, uh, with that pick in the, in the third round. Um, you know, if the Redskins were still thinking safety, there's a guy, Jeremy Chin, out of uh, Southern Illinois that could be there. Kyle Duggar out of, uh, out of a small score school, Lenore Ryan. Um, I'd be surprised if Grant Delpit doesn't get picked in the second round. He was a projected first-rounder a year ago. I do think McKinney and Winfield will be off the board pretty quickly in the second round. Um, inside linebacker, you know, is a position that isn't necessarily super – you know, deep, um, but the Redskins could be looking at somebody there. And obviously the tackles, you know, uh, Ben mentioned it, Cleveland probably going to go in the second round. Uh, you know, guy like Jones out of Houston, probably the same thing. I've heard a lot of good things about what people think about Prince Tego Wanago from Auburn um, and the possibility that he could be there uh, in the third round. Um, but uh, it, personally, I think that best player on the board, as long as it's not a quarterback um, uh, or a defensive lineman, is the way that the Redskins will go and should go at number 66 overall. You know, they need great players. They don't need to reach for a player 
to fill a need the rest of this draft. Um, I don't feel that way anyway. Obviously, you're not going to more likely than not take a quarterback you know, at this point uh, in the draft. And defensive linemen, you know, you can never have enough, but they got a lot right now. So I would think third round tonight, if that's their only uh, if that's their only pick, and then the two fourth rounders, uh, the fifth rounder, the two sevenths on tomorrow, if they only make one pick tonight, the third rounder, I would bet that it's a wide receiver, a tight end, or a corner. Um, all right. Um if there is big news, you know, a big trade or a Trent Williams, you know, trade that, you know, is significant, I, I might do a show over the weekend tomorrow. More likely than not, though, we'll just be back on Monday and we'll recap everything they did uh, in the draft over the weekend tonight and, and Saturday as well. Um, thanks. Uh, stay safe. Stay well. Enjoy the weekend. Back on Monday.